Hey, good morning, uh, 10.30 service. So good to see you guys this morning. Excited to be with you and get to bring the word this morning. How's everybody doing? All right? All right, there we are. Okay. Hey, so a few weeks ago, we started this series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. Um, and we found out that that was actually a phrase from Second uh, Chronicles. And um, we keep our eyes on him. And But this year, 2020, has definitely brought about that idea of what to do when you don't know what to do. Along with that, 2020 has brought a, a lot of new uh, words into our vocabulary that maybe we never used or very rarely used that have become regular words, right? Words like social distancing, shelter in place. A new normal, I, there's something about that one that just irritates me. A new normal kind of drives me crazy. But this other one, unprecedented times, right? How many times have you guys heard that on the news, seen that on the articles, on the front page, right? Unprecedented times, like these are unprecedented times that we're living in and like never before. And here's the actual definition of unprecedented. It means without previous instance, never before known or experienced, unexampled or unparalleled. Right? And, and so some of us can, can feel that right now. We can feel that in our lives. Like, and, and I saw this on social media, and it really made me laugh. It says, I miss precedented times. Right? <laughs> I miss times when I could predict the future markets. I miss times when I could predict what's going to happen. This is the growth season, and this is when you, when you spend all your energy here, and you'll get these results. Or this is a, this is a season that you, you know this, and you can plan this. And now we're like, well, I don't know what to plan for next month because I don't know what next month has. That's how this year has kind of felt. And I miss those times because many of us are living in these unprecedented times. And when I say that, I know that all of a sudden we think, we think globally, we think nationally, we think in our state we face. But I believe that some of you are, in fact, going through unprecedented times locally. Like so locally, like in your house locally, you're going through things. Like you might feel like there is just so much going on right now. Like you might feel like you don't have enough energy. Have you guys noticed that? Like some of us are so low on energy right now. Some of us are, we don't feel like we have enough time, even though like we, we should have more time than we normally do, but we all of a sudden don't feel like we have enough time. And some of you, if you're honest, you feel really low on faith. Uh, Barna, which does a lot of church research, just, just did that. Like, Christians are feeling extremely low on faith right now as a whole. And so like people are feeling this tension and I mean, it did this like this time of like what to do when you don't know what to do in these unprecedented times. Maybe you're a single parent and you're out there and you're, or you're, or you're even married and you're trying to figure out this school hybrid online juggling all this new crazy schedule together maybe you have some intense financial pressure not just pressure straight up you're in a dilemma financially like it's a dilemma like you need a miracle maybe you you have emotional stress like you find yourself like trapped in unhealthy relationship or unhealthy relationships multiple relationships and you find yourself empty and weary, and there's just so much. It feels like life can be coming so fast at you, like, man, it's just too much to handle. Maybe you're not there today, but you have been there. And I'm praying and believing in these moments together as we open God's word and his Holy Spirit here, and those online, that as we look at his word, that it is going to build your faith in these unprecedented times. 
So we're going to dive right into 2 Kings chapter 4. Through these last few weeks, we've been looking mostly at the kings of Israel. And today I wanted to take a little bit of a detour and not talk about kings, but talk about some everyday people. We're going to talk about a widow and a prophet, an unnamed widow. So here we go. One day, the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband, who served you, is dead. And now, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil. I want to talk for a moment before we dive into all the story of who are these people that we meet here in these verses. Right away, we meet a, the prophet Elisha. Prophet Elisha was raised up and mentored by Elijah, who just came before him, mentored him in following God. This was a guy that was after God's heart, that spoke boldly, that saw great miracles happen around him and God doing incredible things. Right before this chapter, we see that he was consulting with two kings as they're going into war. They're asking his advice. They're asking, so he is a person of influence. Just meeting with kings. Next thing you find out, a widow is calling out to the prophet for help, okay? And then this poor widow, we don't even know her name. We're not even told her name, who she is. But now Jewish tradition outside of the Bible would say that this was in fact they really do believe that this was the wife of the prophet Obadiah. And if this was the case, it would be very true that she would be in financial despair because we remember the story of Obadiah. He had taken care of 50 prophets, hiding them in caves, providing for them. So if, in fact, if you're taking care of that many prophets, you're broke. You went through the retirement process, right? You, you got no money left. And to be quite honest, like we, we kind of view prophets different today in our world versus like what they were in the Old Testament. Like they were people that had to speak boldly and were a lot of times running for their very lives. So if your life is on the run, you're not making great money. You don't have roots down, but you have provision. You are escaping from the threats of those around you as you speak the words of God. So you can just kind of picture this right here of this widow. Of, of some, some would say that they would guess that she's at, as young as a 30-year-old, thir mid-30s, as, uh, as a widow who has lost her husband and has lost her chance at meaningful employment. Because historically, you know that women could not really get jobs that would provide for the family, right? Women could not be, they, they, weren't, they weren't hiring women at this time, except the only job that a woman could get would be a job that a woman would not want, right? And if you don't know what that is, ask the person next to you that's six feet apart, and maybe they'll explain that to you later on, of the job that she would not want, the only way that she could make money, all right? So, she is in a devastating place. She has lost her husband. The creditors are coming after her now, and the law said if you don't pay your debt, that they could in fact take your sons as slaves to pay back that debt, or they would be released in the year of Jubilee. So, I mean, this is a bad situation. This is terrible. I mean, humanly speaking, like, there's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of, like, hey, I can try this, and I can work this angle to make this happen. No, she is at, like, the, the, the worst as it can get. And, and as I was reading it this week and looking over it and praying over it, man, have you ever like read the Bible and like saw what someone's going through and you're kind of like embarrassed 
and humbled about like the things that I think are big problems. Like, like this lady has like major, major graduate level problems and I make a big deal out of my little problems, right? Like little problems like this week the internet went out. Oh my gosh, so I mean just get crazy. No internet, what are we going to do for an hour and a half with no internet? Right? Like we get crazy about these low-level problems. How about you go to your favorite coffee shop, you get your coffee drink, and it's lukewarm and not piping hot like you like it. And you've just waited in the drive-thru for 15 minutes, and you got to go in and say, this isn't even hot, right? Low-level problems. How about, how about you put something on social media, you posted, and you put your emotions out there, and you shared something that was from your heart, and you only got seven likes and no comments, right? Maybe next time you should work on your duck face and maybe you'll get a little more likes on your social media posts. You know, we have these low-level problems that we kind of, we kind of get like all, all riled up in. But the fact is, I'm kind of making light of it, but I know that some of you are facing unprecedented problems. You're facing problems that you have never faced before. If you're honest, some of you, your marriage is barely hanging on, Right? And you don't know what to do to make it right. You don't know how to fix it. You've read the books. You've gone to the conferences. And you're just like, God, I, I need a miracle. Maybe someone you love has betrayed you, has broken your trust. And you, you, you don't even know where to start with that again. Maybe you have a child that you've raised them up in the ways to go, in the ways of the Lord. But now they are choosing a different direction and going a different way. And you can see the path that they are heading down that leads to destruction. You see the way that they're going. And you're wanting to call out and say, no, don't go that direction. Turn around, come back. Because you know where it is heading. But they're not listening to you. Some of you might really have some financial situations where you don't know how you're going to get out of the mess that you're in. And you feel almost strangled by the financial agony that you're walking through. Others have health issues. You know, maybe you or someone that you love and live with and are walk close with has gone to the doctor and gotten this report that, like, it's just devastating. And without God providing a miracle, making a way, you don't see hope in that situation. You've got unprecedented problems in your life. And there's a significant need in your life. And you don't know what to do with this unprecedented problem. And if we're honest, when we're in those situations where we feel like there's just these problems and these situations, what do we, as humans, we focus on what we don't have. We focus on our lack. And I just want to encourage you from the get-go right here where we're going when you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is really what you need. When you, when you realize that, when you realize that you don't have what you want, because we can look around and it doesn't take long for us to, to look around and decide what we want. But when we realize we don't have that, we will find out that God is what we really need. Right? That's what we see in this story. This woman has expressed her need. To the prophet. And I love, I mean, like, she's, she's crying out for help. She's desperate. She's in need. So she is crying out for help. And she says, and, and I love what he, he, what he, what does he say? He, what he doesn't say is, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that bad news. Oh, man, I hope it gets better for you. I'm, I, oh, man, that's just terrible, right? He doesn't say, oh, I'll be thinking of you. Have you guys noticed how, how lately people are putting that a lot out there? Of like, I'm thinking of you. I'll be thinking of you. Here, I just spilled my heart out to you. Oh, oh, I've been thinking of you. 
Hey, what are you doing? I'm thinking of you. Hey, come on, do something a little bit more significant than think about me. How about pray for me? How about do something that's going to make a difference, make a change in my life, and not just think about me, but actually pray for me and do something. But beyond that, he takes it beyond that, and he does, he does something. He says, he replies to her, say it out loud, he says, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? Right? That is amazing. Like, right, you want to make a difference in the world? You want to be used by Jesus? You want to make this world a better place? You walk around saying, what can I do to help? Husbands, marriage counseling, great point right here. You get home. You can see it on your wife's face that she is stressed out. She's trying to get the meal ready. She's trying to wrap up kids, teaching kids, or whatever the day has brought you going here. You walk in and you simply say, what can I do to help? And you have just turned into a knight in shining armor, right? All you had to do was say, what can I do to help? And they're like, oh, really? What? Okay, well, you can do this. And you can do that. Like, it, it, I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. What can I do to help? And we say that to God. God, I'm available. Use me as you want to use me. What can I do to advance your kingdom? It's like when there's a need that's in front of us, we get to be a conduit that God uses to meet that need when we open ourselves up to what he wants to do through us. When we're in work, when we're in small group, when we're in our neighbor, we're, we're talking to a family member or someone on the phone and they say, you know, I've got this problem or my husband or my wife is driving me crazy or my kids are driving me off the deep end or, you know, I've got this situation. I can't, and you just simply say, hey, what can I do to help? How, how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I help you? And then, then, he, then the prophet turns around and he says this, this thing that we kind of unexpected. It's very profound. And he respects her dignity in this situation. Even though she's desperate and crying out for help, he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? I love that. He doesn't come and say, I'm here with all the answers. I'm here to solve all of your problems. I'm here to fix it. He respects her dignity and says, let's start with what you have and let's see if God can do something with what you already have. Let's help you see what God has already put there and let's see if God can meet your need through what you have. And she requires, she, 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 she replies and she says, look at that, first thing she says, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Isn't that so true is that when we feel overwhelmed by problems, by overwhelmed by, by situations, when we get depressed, when we get overwhelmed, when we're hurting, we just become consumed with what I don't have. What I don't have. I, I, don't, have any, I don't have as much money as my neighbor, so I can't ever be happy. I don't have a spouse, so I can't leave, lead a meaningful life, right? All of these lies that come to us. And, you know, I don't have what really matters in life, so my life doesn't matter. All of these come together. And, like, listen, I know, even in this case right here, some of you ladies woke up this morning. You opened up your closet. You looked in that closet full of clothes. And what did you say? I, come on, man, help me out. What did your wife say? She said, I have nothing to wear, right? You could stock a Goodwill with all of the clothes in your closet, but yet you open that up and you say, I have nothing to wear. Because, <laughs> yes, because we are so good at seeing our lack. We are seeing our lack. And so I want us to stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. 
Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. Come on, right? You're going to miss this mighty point here. Like when we start, when we're just like spending all of our time looking at what we don't have, we're not thankful for what God has given us and start working that. And he says this, what do you have in your house? He says, nothing at all. Now, I like to imagine and put a little face and a little, little personality into Elisha there, right? Like she says, nothing at all. And he gives a look like, really? Like, right? Like just imagine him giving a look like, you're talking to a prophet. This prophet can read you, right? And he's saying, really, nothing? You got nothing. Nothing at all. Right? Really, nothing at all. And she's like, oh, oh, except, except, oh, except, except a little flask of olive oil. Just a, just a little bit of olive oil. And he's like, hey, you, you, you got to stop looking at what you don't have, and you got to start working with what you have. And this little flask of olive oil, and we go, what good could a little flask of olive oil do? What benefit is that? Well, in fact, is at this time in history, this was extremely valuable. Olive oil was extremely valuable. I mean, just as we use it today, still use it for cooking. They would use it for cooking. They would also use it to put it inside the lamps for burning lamps for a flame, right? They would also use it for moisturizer, right? You needed it for moisturizer because you didn't go down to the Jerusalem market and have a Bed Bath & Beyond with the buy one, get two free sale going on, you know, so you had to use the olive oil for your moisturizer. You would apply it to, to leather to keep it pliable. You would, you would put it on iron to keep things from rusting. You would use it as a, a offering unto God, and it would be used to anoint people for God's service. So it had great value, many purposes that it was used for. And so he just says, I've got a little bit of olive oil. How many of you guys know that we serve a God that specializes in using our little to do a whole lot? Right? We have a God that specializes in doing that. He does so much more. You see it again and again. The story in the New Testament. Jesus has just been done preaching to 5,000 people, right, on the hillside. And then the disciples look at each other and go, who's going to feed all these people? They got to get home and they're hungry. Who's going to feed them? And he's like, you feed them, right? And then they find a little boy. And little boy, the little boy doesn't have a lot. He's just got a little. He's like, I got five loaves and three fishes. All right, what are you going to do with these? And in the hands of Jesus, it's multiplied. There's 12 baskets left over after they feed the 5,000 people. Come on, our God does a lot with a little. In the Old Testament, we read about uh, David, this shepherd boy, comes up to, the, to, to the, the war front where the Philistine army is facing the Israelite army, and they send forth one man named Goliath, one giant, and he's, uh, everybody's afraid and scared, and David walks up and says, who are you that would defile the armies of God? And this little shepherd boy, little shepherd boy, little faith and a little stone stands up with his little faith and does something big. He's like, all these people are saying, you're too big to beat. I think you're too big to miss. And he takes his stone and knocks out that Goliath and kills him, right? Because he takes a little bit of faith and does, the God does amazing things, right? Jesus says in the New Testament, he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can cast in mountain into the sea. We serve a God that takes our little, the little that we have, and does a whole lot. But he wants to know what's in your house. What do you already have? What does he say to Moses? He says, Moses, what's in your hand? A staff. All right, I'm going to use what you already have. What does he say to the lady? What's in your house? Some olive oil. A little bit of olive oil. God, through the prophet, God does not say, what do you want? 
What do, what, what do you want? He said, what do you need? He says, what do you have? What do you have? So we got to stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have because God has given you everything you need to do everything he wants to do in and through you. Do you believe that? He has given you everything that you need of what he's called you to do. He's already equipped you. He's not going to ask you to do something that you are unable to do. He's not going to call you to do something that you're unable to do. He has equipped you. He wants to grow it. He wants to put more into it that we're going to see here in a minute. But he's not going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. He starts using what you got. So often we look around going, man, I, I wish that I had something more significant to give God. I wish I could serve in a greater way. I wish I could. I wish someone would recognize the gift inside of me and ask me to preach and ask me to serve. I wish it worked. They would notice the, how good I am and elevate me to the next level. I wish I would get that. He's like, start working what you got. Start working what you got, and he will give you what you need. Man, so often, so, so many parents look around and go, we scroll on the social media, we see everybody else's activities, vacations, trips, and we go, man, I, I just can't, I'm not, I, don't, I don't provide well enough for my family to be able to do all these activities and all these great trips and all this great stuff. I wish I could do this. And God would say, what do you have? Yeah, you might not make the same amount of money as that person you follow on Instagram, but what do you have? You have time. You know what your kids need more than anything else, parents, is your time. They need your time. They don't need all of the, all of the treats, all, of the, all of the other things. You, you work with what you have. Parents, some of the most, one of the most important thing you do is not the most important maybe thing that you do, but the most important thing you do is who you raise. And how you raise them to walk into God and what God will do through the next generation. It's not just about what you are doing. It's who you're, who you're raising up. So stop waiting for what we want and start working with what you have. I, I don't have enough money to attract a good wife. I don't drive the car that a woman wants. I can't buy that stuff. Right? No, you find... You find a woman that loves Jesus, you find a man that loves Jesus, and you serve her, and you, 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 you care for her, and all that material stuff doesn't even matter. And even without those material gains, you will make her the happiest woman in the world if you serve her as, as Christ served the church. Amen, guys? All right. So we're going to offer God what we have and trust him to give us what we need. So we offer him what we have. We offer this a little bit of olive oil. We trust him to give us what we need. Here's what we watch how it comes true in the story. It says this. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. Whew. Such a crazy story, right? Of like, go get a bunch of jars Go get a bunch of empty jars. And, and, and I love it that, that she involves the sons. Because the sons are involved in the credit, right? They're going to be slaves. And so she's like, 
hey, let's get the sons involved in a miracle so they can see the hand of God provide and do something incredible. That God wants to do things for your whole family to see. And they're involved in it. And I was just thinking, like, man, um, it, it's good to know who your neighbors are, right? It's good to know who your neighbors are that when you need to borrow stuff. In our house, quite often, we know our neighbors. And whenever it seems like we're baking anything and there's chocolate chip cookies that are going to be made, guess what? We're out of baking powder. We're out of sugar. We're out of flour. Guess what? Nancy, she, she sends out the kids to the neighbor's house. Hey, we need some sugar. We need some powder. Hey, we'll bring you a cookie if you let us borrow some of this stuff, right? Like, so it's good to know your neighbors. And she sends them out all the time. They're like, do I have to go again? They are embarrassed. They hate to do it. But I was thinking about this of like after I preached this morning, I was like, these sons were like, hold on, we got to go get jars? Okay, because this is going to stop us from being slaves. This kid's got to be freaked out. We're going to be sold as slaves, so we're going to go get some jars. And we're just going to give it a last shot and last chance. So we're going to go get some jars. And when she had, she had the faith to offer what she had, God would give her what she needed. And as she poured it out, what she had, it just kept on flowing. It kept on filling. God has given you everything you need to continue pouring it out. And as you pour out what he has given you into jars around you, into people's lives around you, guess what? It keeps being filled. It keeps being filled up again. I always wonder that, like, man, how do you serve so many people? How do you love people so much? The more you pour out, the more it keeps getting filled up. So we meet this woman. My goodness, she's, her story is just amazing of God's provision for her and how God works on her behalf. I want to point out a few things of some of the imagery that we see in her story of what God is doing here because it matters to every single one of us and it drives home this beautiful message that we get to carry today. So you meet this woman and her story is my story and her story is your story. No matter if you are financially set or you're financially struggling, her story is your story because she had a financial need. She had a financial debt. But the truth is that every single one of us has a debt that we cannot pay. We have a debt of sin that we cannot pay. We, by the sin that separates us from God, we have sinned against a holy, righteous God. And we cannot do enough good. We cannot give enough money away. We cannot do enough to try to fill this void of this debt that we have to a holy, righteous God. We cannot make ourselves right before this God. But what do we see her do? This woman, she cries out to the prophet for help. Hey, I'm bankrupt. I'm in debt. I owe this and I can't pay it. And she cries out to the prophet for help. What do we do? We cry out to not just our prophet. We cry out to the better prophet. Actually, he's a prophet, priest, and a king. And his name is Jesus. And we cry out to him for help. And he comes and pays our debt for us, right? We are told that we are sinners. We are all sinners. And God sent Jesus, his one and only sinless son, to be born of a virgin, to live this perfect life. And he goes to the cross willingly by his choice for my sin, for your sin, and died in our place to pay our debt. And on that third day, he rose from the grave. And anyone, man, just... Taking that, taking that debt and being paid once and for all. And anyone who calls upon his name will be saved. 
every single one of us who call on him. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what your past is. You can be forgiven and your debt be paid. That's why this gospel never gets old of preaching. I can preach it every single week. It never gets tiresome because it's good news. Some people say it's too good to be true. I know it's too good to be true, but it is true. And that's the amazing part. It's incredible. So what do you do today with that? We're called to confess our sins. Cry out to our Savior Jesus and say, I have fallen short. I owe a debt I cannot pay. God, I empty myself of myself so you can fill me. I call upon you and I want you to make me right. Forgive me of every sin that I have committed. And I love it. Back to the story of this, this more of this imagery here. He says, the prophet says, go get a bunch of what kind of jars? Give a description of what size they had to be, what color they had to be, what shape they had to be. What was the only description? Empty jars. Empty jars. That's all they had to be. It didn't matter if it was a peanut butter jar. It didn't matter if it was, I can't believe it's not butter jar. It didn't matter if it was an old jelly jar. It doesn't matter what kind of jar it is. Just get some jars. doesn't matter the shape, the color, the size. They just need to be emptied. Because when it's emptied, it can be filled and be filled with oil. Now, who knows what oil represents in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit filling. And the Holy Spirit will fill again. And I love how this applies to you and me today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Now we have this shining light in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So these jars that are being filled with oil, those jars, Jesus, that, that, that Paul is saying that these, we are jars of clay. We are fragile jars that are filled with a treasure. We are filled with Christ himself. We are clay pots. And that's all God is looking for. He's like, he's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for someone that's empty. Someone that will empty themselves of their pride, empty themselves of their greed, empty themselves of their own agenda, and come to God totally empty and say, come and fill me with more of you. Come and bring more of you into me because this Holy Spirit, we need it inside of us. My goodness, we do. Come on, keep on filling us, God, because we need filled again. We need filled again and overflowing again and again because we live in what? Unprecedented times, right? In unprecedented times. So verse 8 speaks to that. It says, here's some unprecedented times. It says, we are pressed on every side by trouble, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share the death of Jesus so that the life of Christ may also be seen in our bodies. Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us up, all of a sudden when you find yourself in unprecedented times, when you look around and you don't have, you don't know what to do because, right, we don't know what to do because we don't know what to do and we're just perplexed, it says. We're perplexed. How many of us have felt perplexed this year, right? When we are perplexed, we don't know what's happening. We do not give up to despair because we have this treasure inside of us. 
when we are pressed on every side, we are not crushed. We get to stand strong. That's why the church is rising up in these times when we feel the pressure and the crush around us everywhere that we are not being driven down. When we get knocked down, we are not destroyed. How many of us get knocked down? We get back up, right? We get back up because Christ is within us. We have this amazing treasure. Scripture says that the very spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead resides within you. Come on, think about that. And he wants to fill you anew. And all of a sudden, we start to really see it. Even when I don't have what I really want, I realize that God is all I really need. Amen? Even when I realize that, even when, uh, even when, uh, when I feel like I am insufficient in my ways, I feel like there's so many things that I'm lacking in my life, even when it feels like all I see is what I do not have, he says, when you are weak, he is your strength. When you are hurting, he is your comfort. When you are lost, he is your guide. When you are hungry, he is the bread of life that satisfies and nourishes you. When you are thirsty, he is living water. When you are unstable, he is the rock that does not move. And you realize, God, I've been chasing after all these other things, all these other things that I want, that I think I want, but you are the thing that I really, really need. You're the thing I need. So we're going to start, stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. We're going to offer God what we have. We're going to offer him what we have. We might look like, go, I don't have a whole lot to offer, God. He's not going to ask you for more than you have. It's just like, hey, what do you have in your house? What do you have? And we're going to trust God to do what only he can do with what you have. Would you guys stand with me? I want to pray for us together. In the first service, there were some people that this just really moved on their hearts. And they realized, man, they are empty. They have been beat up. Their faith has been challenged. And I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, just come into this room. Lord, you've been here. Heavenly Father, you love. God, I want to pray with those that are hurting. Those that are hurting and going through difficult times. Those that feel empty. God, if they're honest, they even feel like they do not have faith in this moment. To have faith the size of a mustard seed is a stretch for them right now. God, because they have just been drained in every way. They have been beat up. They have been pushed down. They have been crushed, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting, that are empty, Lord Jesus. And I pray right now that you would fill them again. Fill them, Lord, not because of, not because of who they are, not because they've done something to, to, to gain your approval, your desire to fill them, Lord, but just that they are crying out for help. Lord, that we get to cry out to a good king, a good priest who is not, who's not distant from our problems, who understands us and, and walked in our shoes. Lord, just that you, we cry out to you and you meet us where we are. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill these empty vessels. Lord, as we empty ourselves of self and self-righteousness and, and, and our greed and our pride and our, and our worry and the fear that we've held on to. Lord, as we empty ourselves of those things, Lord, that we would lean in to you and all that you have for us. Lord, I pray for those in this room that have yet to call you 
as their Lord and Savior. They have yet to, or those online that have yet to say, I need help. I have a debt that I cannot pay. Lord Jesus, help us to see that debt that you have paid on our behalf. Lord, we thank you that you have paid it all. And Lord, we cry out to you and say, Lord, forgive us of our sins. We empty ourselves, Lord, and we call upon you to do what only you can do. God, when we are perplexed, when we feel like we are crushed, Lord, we know that we are not given to despair. Lord, when we are knocked down, Lord Jesus, we know that we don't have to stay down. Lord, I pray for those that are going through extremely hard times, extremely difficult times. Give them the strength. Build their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, God wants to fill you more. He wants to empower you more to do what he's called you to do. He has given you everything you need. Myself and some others will be down here to pray with you. If you just need a new filling, if you just need more of the Holy Spirit, more strength, more hope, more, more joy, just whatever you're going through, you just need someone to agree with you in prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Love you guys and have an absolutely wonderful, beautiful Sunday afternoon. See you guys soon.